0: So, uh, sometimes I like having two services because I get a chance to do, say it better the second time. I butchered this sermon the first time, and I'm um, hoping we'll do better here this time. Hey, uh, I'm going to change it up, uh, William. So, uh, whatever you got there is going to be in some different orders here. We'll see how this plays out. But um, you need to know that the vision of our church is not um, to make Christians, it's to make disciples. And so, that's radically different from modern Christianity. So, for example, if we were to talk about um, what the church is supposed to look like in comparison to other American churches, and then relate that to the scripture, that's how we're going to start today, okay? We don't want our version of Jesus to look like our version of Jesus. That's the problem with culture, is that we want God to look like our version of God. And that's not, that's, that, that's, that's the reason why I came to the Lord is because I realized that I was the problem maybe we all haven't figured that out yet but the biggest problem in your life is not your spouse it's not your kids it's not your money it's i'll let your wife tell you that here you go um i'm gonna go uh in acts chapter 2 verse 41 we have read this verse i'll bet you no less than uh 40 times and i plan on reading it many more times this year Uh, Because I think that this is the blueprint for what Christianity is designed to look like, and it is why the church exploded. And I think churches that explode look like this. Good explosion. Uh, For those who believed what Peter said were baptized and were added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Man, that's pretty cool. I want you to know this is happening around the world. Jesus, would you help? Amen. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and uh, to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all uh, over all uh, all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had, and they sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those that were in need. Wouldn't that look like a glorious church? They worshiped together in the temple each day and they met in the homes uh, for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Uh, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. That sounds like a fairy tale. But this is what happened and this is why the church exploded. Like this is their document. This is this is what went down. I just want to... Um, Kind of flip the script for a second and reread that verse, in my opinion, what the American church looks like. Okay, here we go. Stay with me. Um, so uh, those who believed uh, what Peter said um, thought about coming back to church. And uh, there was a, maybe a, a one or two of them that year. All the believers um, that um, thought about devoting themselves, they actually liked what the pastor said uh and sometimes they fellowship and one time that year they actually um had some friends over to their house and um and they they tried their best to pray hey, i'm not trying to exaggerate doesn't this sound more accurately like the western church yes exactly hmm. well um they um they really liked what was happening there at church, um, but they didn't really see any signs and wonders ever. Uh, And so uh, the believers um, were all in one place, but they they didn't have much in common. So uh, they they tipped when the offering plate got passed uh, because that felt good to them. And uh, they worshiped. Occasionally, when they attended church, um, and um, the Lord sometimes added to their church people that were being saved. I want to let you know I am thankful for a church that's passionate. I am church. I'm thankful for a church that is with us. Uh, I'm grateful that even in this crazy year that we just had, our church has grown, and it's grown in ways that like I I even didn't want it to grow. Like It was a hard year, and we realized that like as God is squeezing these grapes, He's making wine, so we have to figure out how not to whine about it, but to actually like become something good out of this. And, and so we've seen a lot of growth, and I'm, I'm tremendously grateful. I'm grateful for a church that just finished up with 21 days of fasting and prayer. I'm grateful for a church that um, is giving. You know what's weird is last year a lot of us lost jobs. Many of us were laid off. We, we actually, more people gave last year than in the history of our church. Like, it, it's, it's mind-blowing. And we saw people baptized, and we, like, even in times where we weren't allowed to touch each other, we are baptizing people. That excites me, man. Um, and this is a little community church, so we're not supposed to have the growth that like, we could have. But I think God's doing something. And I want you to know that I, I believe that if we're going to make disciples and not Christians, we have to look at Christianity differently. I believe what God spoke to me um, recently was that we need to be all in. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I heard a sermon from someone else, and they said a statement. And the statement kind of jumped out at me, and I really, I, it was like it's been echoing in my head, like oh, again and again. You ever see the Grinch when he's like, hello, hello, hello? I, I have this like echo in my head, um, uh, and I, I can't get it out. And uh, what the guy said was, you should always bet on the church. I thought about that. I thought about, historically, there are some really terrible things that the church has done, and still doing. Yeah. Um, and, but also, historically, the church has done some really awesome things. I mean, we've been on the front line of just about every natural disaster in history. We've we've been on the front line of uh, uh, making sure that generosity is feeding neighborhoods. Uh, whenever there's uh, a pandemic anywhere in the world, uh, the church has been the first ones there. We've been the first responders. That's why there's so many hospitals named after Christians because it's been the, we've been known. For healing, kindness, and love, we've taught philosophy and kindness, and for like the concept of forgiveness that comes only out of the church is what uh, psychologists and are still practicing today. It's been the church that has led what morality really should look like in society today, right? Should always bet on the church, but not for those reasons. Do I think we should bet on the church? But I think we should bet on the church because. Regardless of how crazy the church can be, and let me tell you, the bride of Christ, she can be crazy. You uh, She's made the internet far more times than we would like to for the worst reasons possible. She is the hope of the nations. And she is the, the, really what God's design and His makeup is. I'm going to jump really quick to Ephesians. Uh, William, would you help me? Ephesians chapter 3, I believe, verse 10 yeah, uh, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom, not not ours, not yours, his, and I hope that his wisdom is better than yours. Uh, his, his purpose in all this was to use the church to display wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places, and uh, the very next scenario here is that he wants to use the church to display his wisdom. And that's why uh, the very, verse 11 would say that And he did this by sending his son Jesus to be crucified. Jesus is the wisdom for the nations. And the way that the world will know about him is because of the church. There's no evangelist that can do the full job. They might tell people about the Lord, but evangelists generally don't teach people about him. We need all of us to come together for this thing to be glorious. Um, and I've been thinking about this. If anyone knows me, you know that one of my favorite things in the world is a fire. Man, I love fire. Uh, I, I know last week um, we, uh, we almost killed a goldfish, but we didn't kill the goldfish. For all of you all to know, they can live outside of water for, for hours. It's true. It's true. True story. Um, and a couple of years ago, uh, last year, I think we started a fire in church. We're not starting a fire today, but we are going to talk about a fire. I want you to know the most biblical scenario in reference to God moving in Scripture is fire, mainly because when Scripture was written, uh, fire was the greatest form of technology, you known to man. It was the most powerful thing. They used it to make all kinds of everything. And uh, there, was, there really is not a lot of things more powerful than a fire. And so I'm thinking about the church and the church coming together and God wanting to display His wonderful power and wisdom to the nations. We're going to have to come together. And uh, what I want you to know is that in order for us to grow and for the world to know the power of God, we're going to have to be one. Now, I want to make sure that I make a disclaimer. I am not talking about the COVID and uh, all these other things. Look, there are a million ways in new ways that we should continue to be creative to advance the gospel. Yeah. Do it through art, do it through dancing, do it through the internet, do it through whatever means necessary. Let's figure out ways to advance the gospel But we got to come together. Yeah. So whatever happens, I want you to hear it here first. If the government was to shut us down again, i got to tell you I'm excited about it. <laughs> Some people would be really mad if pastor actually shut the doors again, and I'm telling you I don't know what I would do, but I might just shut the doors down. Because I think that the problem with the Western church is that we don't know how to do what they did in the book of Acts. And that's actually take the church outside of the church and get back together meeting together. So you need to know right now, my vision is not for this. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for the moments that we have together. But you know what I believe growth is going to happen in you? When people come to your house and you have dinner and you begin talking not about football but about Jesus and about what God's doing in your life and the healing that happened and the miracle of finances and you break bread together and you talk about the cross or you talk about worship or you talk about a moment that you... Now we're having church. See, it's great, but I've not found a place in Scripture where the church met and um, they just listened to the preacher. It was designed to be us breaking bread together. And so when I say that we'll grow better in, in, in circles than we do in rows, I believe that this morning many of you experience the presence of God more than you will any other time this week. But I believe you'll grow more when you gather together with other believers and talk about the hardship and the reality of what's going on in your your life. Because some of you are going through hard times right now, and I'm grateful for it. We're going to go back to that. I'm going to show you it. Hard times are coming. If they're not here right now, they will come. I'm not prophesying the end of the world. I'm just saying real Christianity means sometimes things suck. uh, Sometimes it's hard, and uh, and that's that's good. That that means uh, I have to stay on point. I'm rewriting my message right now, so I'm allowed to kind of deviate. Pastor, why are we all in? Because we're going to bet on the church. Now I want to make sure. Disclaimer: I, This is not saying that we should bet. And, um, and if we could create stock this week, although we learned we might be able to do something really awesome, if we could take stock in the church, right? Anyone else? Uh, we're not betting. We're not gambling. We're not doing that stuff. Like, that's not, I, I'm just trying to explain the concept of, I think, where we are as um, people of the way. Like, if we're not careful, we can, we can do this whole thing wrong. So I'm trying to set, reset the standard of, if you want to be on fire for God and you want your faith to grow, this is what it's supposed to look like. Um, There's this uh, story in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14 about this dude named Jonathan. He was the son of the king. And uh, he's about to go to war. Israel is about to go to war with the Philistines. And uh, what's really cool is, if you read most of the Old Testament, you'll see that Israel mostly won when they were massively outnumbered. And they mostly messed the whole thing up When they were, when they had the numbers in their favor. And I think it has just something to do with like our comfort zone. And when things are just good, we seem to just let our guard down and coast. But when things are bad, hey, anyone else got a plan here? Let's, uh, hey, let's pray because we need a miracle. You know what I mean? Israel's massively outnumbered, and they don't know what they're about to do. They're about to fight the Philistines, and Jonathan gets an idea. Jonathan is the son of the king, and uh, he has a position that he's not allowed to leave, and he looks over at his armor bearer, the guy who's carrying his armor, and he says, hey, man, Uh, Jonathan said to the young man who wore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, and it may be that the Lord will work for us. Verse 7. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Yeah. So the armor bearer said to him, do all that's in your heart. Go then, here am I with you according to what's in your heart. Uh, this verse, you're going to be like, what the heck is uh, happening here? So uh, they would actually, the two of them would actually go to war against an army of massive thousands of people. And they didn't go and fight everyone, uh, but they did fight enough that they, it's, the scripture says that they killed 20 people. And that 20 people was all it took for Israel to win the war. Because the camp got freaked out. They come outside their tents. They realize, oh my gosh, what just happened? Our people are dying. What's going on? It's crazy. And then they're fighting amongst each other. Hey, we're going to win. No, we're going to lose. And uh, this is how a nation falls apart is when they fight with each other. And uh, so anyways, they're arguing. And then there's like uh, pandemonium goes crazy. And the Philistines end up falling all because Jonathan and Israel had an idea. Now, my favorite part of verse 6, can you put it back up there? Is that Jonathan looked over at uh, his armor bearer, and he said, Hey, let us go over there. Uh, it may be that the Lord will work for us. Maybe he will. <laughs> maybe he won't. I just want to make sure you understand that if we're being honest here, you can stand on the word. But the best you got is a maybe. I mean, I believe in for miracle. Maybe the Lord will do it. I'm believing for lots of money. right? Who else isn't believing for lots of money? Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know what's going to happen. But all Jonathan did with his armor bearer was say, let's go fight those thousands of people, and maybe God will do something. And the difference is, in American Christianity, see, this story would be all through the Old Testament and all through the New Testament. The call of Jesus wasn't to come and uh, be safe. He said, like, if you're going to come onto me, you're going to have to die to yourself and carry the cross. He's not painting a picture that when you become a believer, now you're going to get promoted at work. You're never going to argue in your marriage. Your kids are always going to be perfect. um, And uh, everyone's going to like you. Your pastor is going to make you, uh, you're, you're the next speaker next Sunday. Like everything is just going you're so anointed that people are just going to give you money for no reason at all. This is like not scripture. But regardless of me saying that or not, that's our view of Christianity. And you would say, no, it's not. But when hardship falls and you don't have money or your wife is arguing with you, you get out and you get on your knees. You go, oh God, what is wrong? me what's wrong. This is life. Life happens. And if you're a believer, the enemy's going to come against you a lot more. And if God didn't spare his own son, what makes you think that he's not going to spare you? Like the reality of what faithfulness and goodness and joy and all these things looks like is when it's happening inside of you, when everything is bad, light shines the best in darkness. So when you're going through the worst and you can maintain confidence in who the throne who's sitting on the throne unbelievers are going wait a second so you just lost your job and you you're good yeah because god's faithful i don't know how he's going to work this out but i know he's going to i don't i know that things are real bad right now in my marriage but i know that god that he's with us he loves us we're going to figure this thing out i know that god he's got god has a plan for my kids i know it's gonna do you understand what i'm saying? I think I may be preaching too much. So in this story, all you have is a maybe. But I, I think that um, realistically, we are approaching church and Jesus with uh, there's a such thing as a good bet, and there's a such thing as a bad bet, and there's also a such thing as a safe bet. And I think that many of you think that Christianity is a safe bet. And that's not true. There's nothing safe about what we signed up for. So realistically, the Lord, he wants your money. Let me, just, let me get it all out there right now. The Lord doesn't want some of your money. He wants all of your money. And people get mad at the church for saying stuff like that. First of all, you need to know, I didn't, I didn't pass an offering plate today. Do you notice that? And we don't, ever. So I'm, I'm trying to approach situations as tenderly as possible and still being honest with you. Coca-Cola wants all of your money also. And so does Geico, and so does T-Mobile, and so does Walmart, and so does Amazon, which is why all of you have already gotten a notification from Amazon since you've been here today. So for me to say that God wants your money and you to get butthurt about it, you, this is, you, you're just not adding two and two together. Like, Google's brainwashing you way harder than, than the scripture is, is influencing your, your world. The Lord wants your money. He wants all of your relationships, not some of them. He wants your job. He wants your television. And he definitely wants your phone. There's nothing that we do when we come to Christ that's outside of Jesus. So I'm trying to figure out how do we get together in a way that the world understands us. You just haven't. I lost my point. Okay, here we go. So, what's happening is the first Acts chapter 2 is that he is called the church to come together. We found faith, and now he wants you to meet together with other believers and talk about the apostles' teachings. And then he says that as this is happening, we would break bread together, we'd have communion, we'd talk about Jesus dying on the cross for me and what that means for me and my family and the resurrection of our Savior, which is so important for you to talk about amongst your friends, because everything in my life screams death, and everything inside me is supposed to scream life. Yes. Does that make sense? Like. When I'm looking, I love that lyric we sang earlier. When all I see is the cross, all he sees is an empty tomb. Like it's the reality that things around me feel suffocating, but the reminder of Jesus being risen screams, There's an answer. Okay. And we're supposed to get together and have meals, and we're supposed to get together, but here's what's happening in America and now all over the earth is that life is teaching you, I'm not even talking about COVID that it's better for you to be separate and it's safer for you to be alone. It's safer for you because you won't... Listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm honestly not talking about health reasons. Emotionally, we are terrified to connect with people. This is why the church exploded, because they were honest and vulnerable about the things that God was doing in their life and in others. And if we're not willing to be emotionally connected with one another, I promise you, our church, the Way Community Church, will not have a future. We have to meet together, we have to talk together. And if some of us feel like it's okay for us to just have four friends, it's not. That's not biblical Christianity. Because we are alive in Christ, we must make room for other people in our lives. We must share our lives, our homes, our couches, our meals, our money, and our life. Yeah. Our hardship, yeah. the difficulties. And these are the things that Jesus anoints yeah. and gives hope to people who have not yet experienced that hope. I, sh- I tell them about what's going on in my finances. It's crazy. You never believe it, it's awful. But I believe. And then next time we meet, they ask me about what's going on in my finances. And I tell them, you'll never believe it. Oh, my gosh, I had this breakthrough. And it was so wonderful. All right, I have to get back to this. So Jesus wants us to be one. But I think that the problem is not COVID. A lot of it is internet. Uh, We're learning relationships hundreds of miles away. We're learning to emotionally detach and scroll. We're learning to stay safer, so we watch more television, we listen to more music, and everything that we don't like, we can immediately tune out. That's, right. that's not real. Let me tell you something. Friends, please hear me. Please lean in. Listen to this. God's going to say things to you that you don't like. If he doesn't, you probably have not met God. Yeah, right. <laughs> because you're not perfect, and He is. And let me tell you something else. You're going to meet people in church, and they're going to say things to you that you don't like. Amen. Yeah. Some of them will just be annoying. Yeah. Some of them will get on your nerves. Some of them will smell. <laughs> Some of them will be arrogant. You're supposed to be married to them. When I gave my life to Jesus, I married his bride. Amen. I became his bride. And the hard thing that I have learned about Western church, I have time. I'm going to make this work. I have learned that we're scared to talk to people because I don't want to be rejected. And there's no promise. There's no safe bet that people aren't going to be mean to you, forget you, shortchange you. There's no safe bet that your pastor is not going to do that. In fact, I want you to let you know right now, if you're new to our church, I'm going to let you down promise you can you can bet on that jack Uh, because i'm man and uh your small group will let you down but you know what else they'll also do they'll challenge you they'll challenge you to be a better uh, uh a husband or wife father or mother friend or co-worker follower of jesus they'll challenge your scriptures they'll challenge your appetite for when we get together we burn more I'm going to end in John 17, I'm going to try to do it as quick as I can, but as I'm seeing this, all throughout Scripture, God is this illustration of this fire. And when we come together, we are the most powerful entity on the face of the earth. Jesus looked at Peter, and he said, who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Lord. And he said, exactly. And that is the faith that I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. When you guys come together with the idea that Jesus alone is the Lord, not even the gates of hell can tear down and is trying to tear down right now. Do y'all know there are states that the churches still haven't opened yet? But when we get together, man, it's like this powerful entity of generosity, of love, of mercy and forgiveness. There is no organization on the planet that explains the power of forgiveness like the church. That's right. that's there is nothing that I have enc- encountered in my life that's been more powerful than me learning how to forgive other people. It has brought back strength and ownership to me like nothing else. By letting people go of what they did to me, I somehow became free. And by doing so, you know what else I did? By forgiving people that hurt me, I gave other people an opportunity to come into my life. Some of you will never have a healthy relationship because you still won't let go of the ones that hurt you. And as long as you're holding on to what they did, you'll also hold it against people that haven't done it. Hmm. So here's what I have seen in the church. We, in Western church... Not like Acts chapter 2. We experienced God. We experienced truth. There was a fire in our life. But it's scary to be around other believers. And I don't necessarily like it and it's not comfortable. It's kind of like Thanksgiving dinner with my family. Anyone else have an awkward time when they're eating dinner with their extended family? I don't. Roland K., I love you guys. The other family. I love you, Mom. I'm just kidding. Listen, I'm getting in trouble. Here. um, What happens is we take ourselves away. And by doing so, the fire of the church is now smaller. And let me tell you what happens to my fire. It's still ridiculously hot right now. But it won't continue to burn. As you're separated from the body you will burn out. Your passion and enthusiasm for the things that God, you believe that He can do, will smolder. Your enthusiasm and faith for the things that God wants to do will get lower. You'll get distracted and have other goals and missions for your life other than what the Lord had put as priority. As you disconnect from the body, listen, Americans... We're not supposed to meet together once a week. You love your faith? I love your faith. And I want you to know, I believe more than ever that you guys are behind me. I saw it in your giving. I see it in your attendance. But there is a world out there that is dying, that needs the church to be so zealous for Jesus. And it's going to terrify you because you're going to have to get closer to other believers so that you... And us can burn brighter. Okay, I'm going to read this fast. Here we go. I'm going to read it fast. I'm going to read it fast. I'm going to read it fast. John chapter 17. This is the last thing that Jesus recorded before he went to the cross. He is, he's about to die. And he's about to pray. This is like the guy on death row praying. And there's someone writing. Except this is Jesus. So he's praying and he knows God. And he's praying for us. His last thought was not for him, but for you. So this is Jesus praying for you right now. You ready for this? This is going to be good. Say it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Here we go. This is John chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. You know why people are writing bad Google stuff about the church is they hate the church because the church convicts them because they're not like the church. And Jesus wasn't like them anyway. And the reason why they crucified Jesus, they knew he was awesome. They got mad when they couldn't control him. I get mad when I can't control people. (laughs) No, it's just human. The people we don't like are the people we don't agree with. We can over-spiritualize it because it's Jesus, but the reality is the reason why we don't get along with people is because we don't agree with people. And if they thought just like me, we'd be great. This is why the world doesn't like the church, because she is supposed to say something that is contradicting the way they're living. Yes, yes. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. I love that Jesus is trying to explain, teach them truth. I think it's wild that there's 7 billion people on the planet and we all believe that we are right. (laughs) I found Christ when I was 18 years old uh, and I found Christ realizing that um, I was wrong about everything in my life. And I've been trying since that day to learn truth and reteach myself to love what is good and not what Tim Broughton loves. I love a lot of wicked things. And God is trying to remove those things from my life. And I find it far more clearly when I'm in fellowship with other believers. I get convicted that I don't pray enough or that I don't share my faith enough or that I don't serve enough. Or that I'm not giving enough. Does does this make, okay, I have to keep going. This, I learned truth by being around other believers that are burning bright for Jesus. We can be disciples or American Christians that are so casual. I don't want to love cheeseburgers as much as I love Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Here we go. I have to keep going. I'm out of time. And I'm going to be a lot longer. I'm sorry. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your Verse 18. Just as you sent me into this world, just as you sent me into this world, I am sending them. Let me stop there. God sent his son to die. So if you think you're signing up to Christianity so that you could get everything you want in the Christian vending machine, you, 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 someone sold you the wrong concept. Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's sending the same way, God, you sent me, I'm sending them. So get ready for a life of discomfort. There should be moments when you're at Walmart and God tells you to do something you don't want to do. Yeah. Or you're at a, a stoplight and there's a homeless guy out the window and he's like, yeah, that guy. Yeah, but God, I, don't, I don't want to give it to him. He's going to spend it on alcohol. I didn't ask you what you want to do with that. I'm telling you what to do. Come on, come on. You, are not, you are not the Lord. I am the Lord. I am telling you what you do. I am telling you to go forgive your wife right now. I don't want to do that right now. I didn't ask you what you want to do. Go forgive your boss. Go tell them that you were wrong. Go tell them. Do you understand this? Just as the Lord sent me, I'm sending you. I have to keep going. I'm sorry. I, 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 I have to keep going. Some of you are new. I'm weird. Just get that over with. And I give, you, uh, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Let me stop there. The reason why you're called to a life of sacrifice is because your sacrifice makes me holy. Just like my sacrifice, the hours that I spent in prayer for today is what makes you holy. When you get closer to God, it makes me holy. Your sacrifice makes us burn brighter. And it makes the world, you'll see it here in a second. I can't get ahead of myself. Verse 20, I am praying not only for these disciples that are right here, but also for all who will ever hear in me through their message. I pray that they will be one. I love this. He is talking about unity here, church. He's talking about people that are not acquaintances. You know, the guy that goes to church, uh, the funny looking one with the beard. No, no, he wants you to be one. He wants you to know each other. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. Jesus is saying, the same way that I know you, I want them to know each other. All of the broken places. You know how God the Father knew that Jesus was terrified to be crucified? I want to know what you're scared of, Matt Bullock. I want to know what you're scared of, Ashley. Rico, I want to know what you're scared of. Because this is real fellowship. Y'all know I'm scared of stuff. I'm terrified to preach every week. Y'all think that I'm blind. I sweat like a dog. I talk God out of it every week and he won't let me. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, and as in me, the Father, I am in you, and that they, okay, here we go, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Did you catch this? I know that I'm going long right now. If they're together, the world will know who they are. And I think that this is why it's easy for the world to dismiss the church, because while everyone is still fighting politics, while everyone is still fighting situations about government, if the church would just radically love the crap out of each other, come together in crazy passionate prayer for the lost, the world couldn't, couldn't deny it. Right. Okay. I have given them glory that you gave them so that they may be one as we are one, and I and them, and you and me, and may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. May, they, may you experience such perfect unity. I pray that you experience perfect unity. So here's the close. I uh, really love, I'm grateful that some of you found us on YouTube or Google and you were crazy enough to come. I'm grateful for everyone that's in different churches throughout the country that um, are watching us online right now. I'm not asking you to join my church. I'm asking you to join the body of Christ. So if you go to another church, stay at that church and get as radically connected to as many believers as you can. If this world stands a chance, we will care more about each other than we care about ourselves. Some of you are terrified to have fellowship with new people. You feel like you don't need them. You're right. You may not need them. We need you. Yes. I need you. Maybe you're stronger than I am. I need that. In order for the church to grow, we're going to have to come together, and we're going to have to be one. And the world will know that we are crazy about the Lord and God's real. And there's no other way that all of us of different ages, different ethnic back- backgrounds, How the heck can them people come together and have anything in common? Because we all experienced the miracle at the cross. When I realized that God loved me even when he knew who I was and what I did. I've never known a love like that before. And the love that the Father has for me, I'm supposed to have for you. I'm asking you. A lot of you guys are kind to me as your pastor. Thank you. Maybe today you can look around the room and find someone that might stand out to you and you want to have them in your house. Maybe you want to do a Bible study and just, I'm not good at reading the Bible. Fantastic. You know how many of you are not good at reading the Bible? Just say that. And then read it with someone. Well, let's do it together. How powerful would that be? We are the hope of the nations church Jesus said I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it and the reason why there's a lot of businesses that are going to shut down but the church won't it can't because God cares about those people that are out there and he cares about eternity and he will make a fiery passionate church so I say all this to say join a connect group We're doing it for 12 weeks. There's a lot of these people that are going to be weird and hard to get along with. Um, I want you to know that the idea of real relationships is commitment. It's something that America doesn't know a lot about. If we end up in a relationship that makes us feel uncomfortable, we quit. God never quit on me. And he's going to continue to ask you not to quit on your people. Everyone say, uh, my pastor loves me, and he's a handsome man. My pastor loves me, and he's a handsome man. I care more about your growth than I care about anything else that's going on, and so I know that I rub some people the wrong way, but you're not allowed to have four friends. There's eternity waiting on the line. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our church, and I thank you that you are convicting people because um, you're speaking. Lord, we just want to reach the lost. We just want to help people who have failing marriages right now, people that are struggling to read the word, people that don't know how to pray. So there's some people that are sitting right here that love you, but feel like their prayers are just bouncing off a ceiling. Lord, teach us how to walk with people. Make us disciples. Let us on fire. And the whole world will come watch us burn. In Jesus' name, amen. John Wesley said that. It's not mine. I love it. John Wesley's a good guy. Hey, guys, I love you. Connect Groups, it's on the app. You sign up, and it's good. We're having a town hall meeting. It's going to start at about 1 o'clock, and there will be pizza there for all of y'all. And um, outside of that, I guess there's Chick-fil-A on Wednesday night here. And um, I love you guys. Have fun. Peace out.